Hello, everybody. This is the Disciple Makers Podcast by Discipleship.org, and I'm your host, Dave Stovall. In this episode, we've got Tom Rayner. He's the former CEO of Lifeway. I'm sure you heard of them. And he's talking to us about the current state of the evangelical church. He gives us the bad news of the declining state of the evangelical church, pointing out that up to three out of four churches are technically dying, depending on how you define the word dying. Tom mentions several challenges faced by churches like clinging to the past, failing to recognize the impact of the pandemic, struggling with prayer and evangelism, and lacking a clear purpose. Despite the negative aspects, Tom ends on a hopeful note that through evangelism and obedience to the divine commission, revival is actually possible. Let's listen to Tom today. Let's let him challenge us and move us forward and leave us with a message of hope. Here we go. My guess is you probably didn't stay up last night thinking about how many people own cats. Maybe dogs, but not cats. I don't know why I decided to look it up. And I looked up both Google and AI, how many homes in the United States own cats, how many own dogs, and, and the numbers were all over the place. There's not been a good survey of cat owners and dog owners that I can see that has statistical validity. So I just have to say, more people like dogs than cats. As a matter of fact, in the numbers that I, that I saw, it was somewhere between two-thirds and three-fourths of homes in the United States own a dog. But then cats. My son has a cat. He named it Satan. Uh, (laughs) Cats. I've seen some of the surveys that indicate 24% on the low side, up to 48%. You may find some different ones if you do AI or Google it. Up to 48%, double it, that big range between a quarter and a half on cats. Now, I get that. I have been a dog owner almost every year of my life. I've only been a cat owner for a very short period. And I need to state that differently. I think the cat owned me more than I owned the cat. I didn't go and get a cat. The cat showed up. And the cat looked at me and said, I'm here, feed me, love me, I am self-centered. It was, it, was, it was my motivation to write the book, I Am a Church Member. I just, I, 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 I looked at this cat, and this cat said, I'm here. I don't know which of my boys named the cat Toots, terrible name, terrible name, but Toots became a fixture outside of our house, never inside. One day he got sick, my wife who's a godly, submissive woman, when I listened to her real carefully, she, she said to me, Thomas, that's what she calls me. You can't call me that. She calls me that. Thomas, take Toots to the vet. I did. The vet was a friend of mine. I said, he's sick. What are you going to do? We'll get him well. Promise you. Okay. My wife's counting on you. You got it. Call the next day. How's Toots doing? Not very well. Second day, third day, not very well. Same, same, same line, fifth and sixth and seventh day, not very well. About the same. 
Finally, on the ninth day, I showed up at the veterinary office. I said, look, I need some straight answers about my cat. My wife's asking me, how's my cat doing? They brought the vet out. The vet said to me, Tom, I'm sorry, but Toots died. When did he die? Oh, the day you brought him in. Every day, he's about the same. The vet was not lying. No change today. No progress. He did not want to tell me that my cat was dead. If he only knew that that really didn't bother me, it probably would have been a different story. But he didn't want to tell me. Now, I'm going to tell you something tonight that is very negative. I'm not going to leave you there. We're going to come back to the positive. But I'm going to tell you something that is very negative. The state of the evangelical church in the United States is really bad. The state of the evangelical church is such that depending upon how you define dying, that as many as three out of four churches are dying, again, depending upon how you define it. Now, I know that's a downer. You didn't come here to find out how to kill your church. I wrote a little book several years ago called Autopsy of a Deceased Church. I did not even realize that that would connect with people. One of the people on my team got a website, went and grabbed it, churchmortician.com. It goes to me if you want to see it. And, and, and I became this guy that was talking about dying churches and dead churches. But I believe in the power of God. I believe in the hope of his spirit. I believe that the resurrected Christ can resurrect churches and that he can heal sick churches that are on the precipice of death. But we got to accept reality first. We have to define it. I want to give you just five quick points. I'll go through these rather quickly. And I just want you to grab these points for the state of the evangelical church. The first point is this, the past is hero. The past is hero. The late Lyle Schaller, one of my favorite church consultants, probably the dean of all church consultants, would walk into a church and the first question he would ask is, what year is it? He would want to know what reality they were in at the time. And so if it was the year 2000 and he walked in, he'd say, this church is 1980. Or he's not alive today, but if he walked into church in 2023, he would say, this church is mm, 2002. What we are seeing in churches across America now is churches trying to recreate the past more than ever. Because it's not just the resistant traditional churches that are saying we've never done it that way before. We don't do it that way at our church. It is more and more churches. But let me tell you where the hero past is primarily today. The hero past is in the year 2019. Does that give you something on the timeline? And what we're seeing is Churches coming out of the pandemic in 2021, 2020, whenever they regathered, most of them 2020, I presume, trying to recreate what was in 2019. The past is hero in many churches, and they're trying to redo 2019. But what happened during COVID? COVID accelerated and exacerbated issues that were already present. And so... The second thing I want you to hear is this. 
these churches had a failure to recognize the impact of the pandemic. If it were 2019 when they went into COVID and in 2020 they thought it was 2020, from a cultural point of view, it was probably 2025 or 2027. In other words, things sped up to such a point that what would have been five to seven years from the point you were measuring it was taking place right now. Cultural realities began to speed up. Anti-Christian sentiment began to speed up. Church decline began to be exacerbated and you began to see all the effects that used to take five to seven years taking place immediately. Remember first, the past is hero. Remember second, failure to recognize the impact of the pandemic. Third, the churches did not seek powerful prayer as they came out of the pandemic. They did not seek powerful prayer as they came out of the pandemic. We've been doing something that is very boring at Church Answers called longitudinal studies. That's just a fat, fancy way of saying that we, do this, we ask the same questions over and over. In fact, it goes back way before there was ever a Church Answers, all the way back to 1996. And in these longitudinal studies, we ask church members about certain aspects of church life. And we ask the same questions over and over. What are the two areas where we're seeing the greatest slippage, prayer and evangelism? And when I speak about prayer, I am speaking specifically here about corporate prayer. I know there is personal prayer. I know that there is group prayer. I know that there's devotional prayer. But I'm speaking about the church praying as the body of Christ. You know, the Great Commission talks about he will be with us always when we look at Matthew 28. And then in Acts 1.8, another Great Commission passage, we're reminded that the Holy Spirit is with us. We see that in the activity of the church, without the powerful presence of the living God, nothing good happens. Powerful prayer was all but forgotten. One of my favorite passages of scripture, Matthew is, Matthew is one of my 66 favorite books of the Bible, and this particular, cha this particular chapter, Matthew 9, is one of my favorites. It's in the top 28 in Matthew, and Matthew 9 and verse 36 says this, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion upon them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. He said to his disciples, the harvest is great. But the workers are few. So pray to the Lord who is in charge of the harvest. Ask him to send more workers into his fields. Please hear God's word. Please hear the words of our Savior. He said this is one of the primary prayers that the church would need to have. Certainly you can pray for those who do not know Christ. You can pray for those who are part of the body of Christ. But he says, pray for what? Workers to go into the field. 
One of the questions that we would ask churches, whether it was survey, consulting, or some other type of interaction with them, we would say, tell us what you are doing. Very simple. Tell us how you're spending your time corporately. And we were seeing very few of these churches saying corporately, we were spending time in prayer. Perfunctory prayer was common in churches, a part of a worship service schedule, but powerful prayer was missing. Powerful prayer was missing. I'm going to get happy before this is all over, I promise. In the next three minutes, I'll get happy. Fourth, evangelism is dead. Okay, I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. It's dying. When I, my team started measuring evangelism, we measured it by active members and the number of people who became followers of Christ. And quite frankly, I can remember when 15 to 1 was normative, 15 active members in a church reach one person in a year. The lower the number, the better, obviously. You would hope that it would be 1 to 1, but it was 15 to 1. But I also can remember 20 years ago when it was 40 to 1. And that became normative. And I can remember pre-pandemic when it was 85 to 1. And anything better than 85 to 1 was acceptable. Post-pandemic, the number is over 100 to 1. Please hear me. It takes more than 100 of the active members of a church a year to reach one person with the gospel of Christ. I'll finish on that before I end. Think about what happens in a church when someone comes into the body. In this church, I have no doubt they have a path for them, a path of discipleship. Maybe they do in your church. But of the roughly 400,000 churches in America, well over 90%, the leadership of the church cannot state what the church is supposed to do with the members, and the members cannot state what they're supposed to do. Fifth point, the church has no clear purpose. Listen to what happens in every church average in America. Every church per 100 members in attendance loses one person to death, this is average, in a year, nine to moving out of the community, seven to transferring to another church within the community, and 15 who have declining attendance frequency. You add all of those up, and here's what you have. Every church, every year, on the average, has to replace 32 people per 100 to keep it at the same level. And what we're seeing is it ain't happening. All right, let me finish this with what we are finding out is good news. Good news is this. We are seeing pockets of true revival. Not in a programmatic type of perspective, but true heart change. And we're beginning to look at these good news churches, and we're trying to find out what are they doing It's easy to talk about all the negative, but what are they doing? The most common characteristics of churches that are reaching people with the gospel is very simple. They are doing something evangelistically in their church at least once a quarter.
That's it. They're doing something in their churches evangelistically at least once a quarter. Those churches are the outliers. So how do I wrap this all up? I wrap this all up with all this bad news. Sorry. Dead cats started it. Dead evangelism ends it. Sorry. But hear me well. Hear me well. If we're truly obedient to the commission our Lord has given us, and we just do a little bit in our churches, the Holy Spirit will take that and multiply it and magnify it. And we can begin to see these type of harvest in our church. That is my prayer for the church where I am a member. That is my prayer for all of your churches. Be the church on mission. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to the episode today, everybody. If you like what you hear, please hit that subscribe button so that you know when I release the next episode. Up next, we're going to be listening to Gabe Lyons as he talks further about the same point that Tom was talking about, and then we'll jump into the Q&A session between Tom and Gabe. All right, y'all. Thank you so much for being a listener of this podcast, and I hope that you enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you.